All right, guys, good morning to you. My name is Aaron. I'm glad to teach God's word to you. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can find it in you version. You can go to your Bible while you're headed that way. Let me tell you why our church exists. We have a mission, and our mission is this, to know his love, share his love. If you want to know more about our church, uh, there's something called CIL Forward. Uh, we're going to be offering it live in January, but if you don't want to wait until January, you can go online, take the online course. And we emphasize there, we exist to know his love, but to share his love also. I started a new series last week called Crowns. It's a short series. And in this three-week series, we're going to talk about five different crowns identified in the New Testament. Well, what's a crown? It's another word for reward. God rewards. God is a rewarder. And God has rewards for us that are not connected to salvation. It's connected to our life with him. And so you'll want to go watch last week's sermon. I would love for you to subscribe on YouTube. That's really cool when we get new subscribers there. So find CIL Church on YouTube sometime. You can watch last week's sermon. And then this is the first crown we talked about last week. There was only one. Crown number one was this, the crown of victory. The crown of victory. And we talked about great effort. God's going to have a reward for those who put great effort into the kingdom. So instead of re-preaching my sermon from last week, you can go back and watch it. Now we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul is writing to this particular church and he's remembering the time he spent with that church. And he's talking about his desire to spend time with them in the future. And there's some great insight. And so we'll read uh, these verses and, and we'll skip a couple of verses just for the sake of time. But I'll make that clear First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, starting with verse 7. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Let's go to verse 11. This is, second, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now let's skip down to verse 18, and then I'll present this as the word of the Lord. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope? Our joy, our crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I had this amazing grandpa. It was my dad's dad, uh, my dad's parents, and just, just quintessential grandparents, everything you would want in grandparents. And typically we would go to lunch at their house every other Sunday. And they had a long table and everyone would sit and everyone had a place. My, my seat was at my grandpa's left hand. My brother was at his right hand, but I was at his left hand. And um, 
In fact, there's a picture of that. I might even post that later on today on Instagram in, in case any of you ever cared. So anyway, um, and, and so I would sit at his left and, and, and grandpa, he had another name for him, but that's not important. He, he would tell these, these amazing stories. But as the years went on, we kind of knew the stories. They were amazing, but they were the same amazing stories. And so he would say something like this. He would say, have I ever told you about the time when I was in West Texas and, and uh, my dad would tease it? Yeah, yeah, of course, we've heard it before, dad, blah, 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 blah. And, and we would all laugh because we had heard the story before. But after we laughed and told him we had heard the story before, he went ahead and told the story anyway. Man, what what would I give to hear that this afternoon, right? So why did he tell the story? Well, he told the story not to give information, but he told the story to share his life. And he told the story because he enjoyed telling the story and there was joy in the story. Guys, we're, we're downhill on this year now and we're, we're in the holiday season. Uh, I hope you remember that, remember that sometime, whether it's on the phone or at a meal. Um, be a little patient with people and listen to their stories. Maybe I needed to hear that for myself. And don't be so impressed with yourself that you time manage Thanksgiving Day and can't hear someone tell a story again. Now, one of the reasons I know this happens is now I do the same thing. I tell the same stories over again. And why do I do that? Because I enjoy telling the stories. And I'm sharing my life. And really that's what um, relationships are about. It's about sharing, sharing our lives with one another. And we do that through storytelling. And so much of our scripture came from storytelling. So we, we are moving into a season of joy, but it's only joy if you value the people you spend time with. If you don't value them, and don't value that experience, then it's just another day, it's another meal, it's another present. That leads me to crown number two. Crown number one was last week. Here's crown number two of the five, the crown of joy. And I'm gonna parenthetically say people. People are our crown of joy. Let's read verse 19 now in a different translation, the New Living Translation. After all, what gives us hope and joy And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ when he returns? It is you. It is you. And this is where I'm identifying the crown of joy. People are our crown of joy. I know a lot of this this message even came out in my teaching last week, but it deserves emphasis. The kingdom of God, guys, it's built on relationships. The kingdom of God is not just built on, on talent. Talented leaders, talented speakers, talented musicians. That doesn't build the kingdom of God. The kingdom of, the kingdom of God is built on relationships. Um, you'll forget about this service someday, but you won't forget about the people you know in this service and the people that you're meeting in this service. Because it's out of relationship that good things come. The local church that I grew up in Almost every good thing in my life came from that church. And it wasn't because the church is, is some kind of unique organization. It's because the people 
who are in the church, uh, they, they, the kingdom of God is built through those relationships. I'm reading a biography right now on President John Adams. He was our second president. And um, I came across this quote. He said, friendships, see if we have that quote up there, the John Adams quote. Friendships is one of the distinguishing glories of man. From this I expect to receive the chief happiness of my future life. There's some wisdom from, you know, 200 and something years ago. Friendship's one of the distinguishing glories of man. A more current quote from a millennial Christian leader, Nathan Foster, said, I've now come to believe that the building and cultivating relationships, that building and cultivating relationships is the most significant thing I will ever do on earth. Hey, you may not believe that now, but you will when you're in your final moments. You won't care about productivity. You will care about the people you were productive with. Because it's not about accomplishments, it's about who we accomplish things with. Relationships matter. And that's why we don't give up on them easily or quickly or discard them. Because relationships are what will really matter when it's all over. And especially since Jesus holds those relationships into eternity. So speaking of Jesus, did Jesus care about relationships? You know, we, when we read the Gospels, sometimes we read what we're looking for and we, we might read past some points that are more obvious. I want to share with you three scriptures from the Gospels that emphasize uh, Jesus' relational qualities. You've read them before, but see them in new ways today. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee, he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. This wasn't a quick business lunch. This was reclining at the table, hanging out for a little bit with a Pharisee. Luke also tells us in chapter 10, verse 38 and 39, it says, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. I see their time and margin for not just relationship, but conversations that create relationships. Some of us feel too important to, to engage with others. I'm not talking about circumstantially. I know we have busy seasons. I talked to someone today who's having a busy season, and that's just, we understand that happens. But on the full scope of a decade, of a five-year period, of a three-year period, are you, are you taking time, taking time to build relationships? Because this is the crown that we have. This is the crown. This is the reward. The reward of doing God's work. One of the rewards is the relationships we create doing God's work and being partners with God. 
I always love this part of the Gospels. The, the Apostle John told us about the resurrected Jesus in chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And it goes on. There's more to that story, but don't forget the first part. When they had finished breakfast, the resurrected Jesus took time for a Cracker Barrel morning. I think he cooked the fish, if I remember correctly, from the context. Um, you would think if I was God and I was resurrected, I would, I, I would be like, hey, let me prove to the whole world who I am. But he chose uh, to keep himself hidden and to show himself through our love and through our relationships. So relationships matter. They're our crown, guys. Uh, that, that's why, that's why we, we must value them. And the busy, busy seasons of life. And now I'm talking about kind of our eras of life from our teenage years until, until life slows down a little bit later in life. Uh, we, we are so driven sometimes to accomplish that, that we don't recognize God's given us crowns right here on earth. The people, the people that we meet, the people that we experience life with. I don't know if any of you have done painting in your home. But here's a principle about painting in your home. It is so easy to start and it's actually kind of fun to start. But if you want to finish it, it's not easy because you can take a roller of paint and almost instantly start rolling the wall and you get immediate impact and it, you can see the contrast and you can even think, well, this isn't that hard Right? Why, why do painters get paid money? All you got to do is roll it in some paint and slap it up there. Well, that's true for the first little bit. But to really paint a room well, it takes a lot of prep work and cutting and edging and detailed work. And um, I've started rooms before. And it looked really beautiful, except if you looked around the edges. And... Um, I'm embarrassed to tell you how long a couple of those rooms stayed that way. That was my wife laughing from the back, <laughs> confirming. Beth stays in the production booth, and the way this room is configured, from the corner, it's like her laugh comes all the way to the pulpit, holding me accountable. It's easy to start something, but not easy to finish. That's why all around here, like whenever anyone has an idea around here at the church, I'm always thinking, whatever you guys start, I'll have to finish. That's the only reason sometimes we say no to stuff, not because it's not a good idea or needed, but I know that sometimes people start stuff and then they get bored and I'm stuck with it. So we together discern God's will. Say, hey, can, is this something that is sustainable for the long term? Is it sustainable uh, whether I'm here or you're there or here or whatever? It's something that God's put on our heart because fin starting is so easy, but finishing, finishing is not. And that's why Jesus said, consider the cost of building a tower. Consider what it's going to cost. And so now I want to share crown number three with you. And that is the crown of righteousness, the crown of righteousness. And it's about finishing Finishing an assignment God's given you. Seeing things through. 
making sure that you go all the way to the end of what God has given you and assigned to you. And Paul was likely coming to the end of his life when he wrote to his protege, Timothy. Uh, the first and second Timothy has been, has been so helpful to my pastoral call. I, I, I go to it so much, and I did especially my first two decades of ministry. Because Paul writes to Timothy, and through this, this mentoring letter, all of us can get value to. You don't have to be a pastor for this. But he was likely uh, coming close to his time of, of execution in Rome. And he wrote these words, 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 5. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Look at that. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me but to all those who have loved his appearing. This gives us some more insight into crowns is that crowns are not competitive. So we're not, it's not just for one person gets a crown of righteousness or one person gets a crown of victory or one person gets a crown of joy. But he says this, this is for finishers. This crown of righteousness is for those who finish their assignment. I want to ask you this question. What do you need to finish? What do you need to finish? I think we can learn from the scripture that there, there are finish lines. And there are places where Paul said, said, hey, I'm coming to the end of this earthly assignment. I'm coming to the end of this. And he obviously is passing some of his authority and responsibility onto Timothy through this language. But I want to be a person who's good at finishing. It's just like, it's just like uh, the, the autumn afternoon. I, I had said, hey, we're not going to do the, the autumn afternoon this year. We're not going to do church picnic because it's just not a good time for us to do it. And uh, I had my reasons why I, I didn't think to do it. But then I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'm good at starting stuff, and, but not always finishing stuff. And so I said, you know what? We need to do it because I'm tired. I don't want to cancel it. So we found out a new way to do it. A new way to do it, which in my opinion, and through several of us who have evaluated, was a better way to do it. So the point is this, is that when you're a finisher, sometimes that God will bring you innovation and bring you new ideas to help you find the right ending. I think about what Paul said last week about not wanting to be disqualified when he was, we we're talking about the victor's crown. Established in and I'll establish again, it's not salvific. It's not a salvation issue, but it's this idea of him not being qualified to do the things God's called him to do. And so I see now in this crown of righteousness saying, hey, we're going to finish the assignment God's given us. We're going to do the thing God has called us to do. It's going to get hard, but the Lord is working 
The Lord is working through that endurance. The Lord is working through that perseverance. And there is a satisfaction, that crown of righteousness. And it's for all, all of us who are waiting for the Lord's appearing. So that when we stand before the Lord, we can hear these beautiful words. Out of one of the parables, one of the stories, there are some words that Jesus Jesus used in the story that we believe we'll hear in heaven. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. His master said to him, Matthew 25, verse 23. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Share your master's joy. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but those are the words I want to hear from God. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are some of the most precious words that I can imagine. And those are words that I want to receive from the Lord. Guys, here's the deal. Crowns are only for believers. Unbelievers, the unredeemed, they won't receive the crown of, of righteousness. They won't receive the crown of life, but will receive that. The redeemed will receive that. Those who know the Lord will receive that. And this is why the Lord will, will reward that crown. You can go ahead and take that off now. The Lord will reward that crown because he's the only one qualified to reward us. The salvation that we celebrate this morning, we, we celebrate salvation every Sunday morning. We celebrate the resurrection every Sunday morning. We celebrate the life of God really every day, but on these gatherings of believers that we do this, we gather because we know this, that Jesus did for us what we can't do for ourselves. This is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We don't earn crowns, we're rewarded crowns. And so we receive these rewards because we first received his grace. We received his grace because he loves us and he chose us. We receive his grace because he set his love upon us. He set his salvation upon us. Jesus came and lived a sinless life because he was God. And he took the sins of the world upon himself. And he was executed on the cross. But his resurrection conquered sin and death and the grave. Guys, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what binds us together. That's what bonds us together is we believe this story we believe this reality and we apply it to our lives. I want to ask for our ushers to prepare to um, distribute communion. On this day, we have the opportunity to take communion as one. We'll remain in our seats and the communion will be distributed to you. Uh, no one has to take communion today. There's, there's reasons sometimes Christians don't take communion, uh, good reasons they don't do that. But we do ask that everyone who takes communion, that you would repent of sin and turn to Jesus. Uh, because we know this partaking of the bread and partaking of the cup, 
This is for those of us who believe Jesus and believe he is the Messiah and that he is God and are trusting him fully, trusting him completely for our salvation. And so we'll rest in that and we'll rest in who that is. And so uh, before we eat the bread and drink the cup, uh, I, will, I will pray and lead us in communion. Ushers, y'all can just stay where you're at and ushers, so, so y'all know when I pray, ushers, that you can be able to come to the front Guys, gals, just listen up here. When, when I pray, y'all can come to the front. And then after, when I say amen, then you guys can distribute. And, and we'll do that in a second. So I can just minister to people. You'll know that when I pray, you come forward. And then when I'm done praying, you can distribute. So grateful for, for your service. Thank you for doing that. So now we've resettled. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Is that... The table of the Lord, though you're not required to take it, you're welcome to, but it, it makes you do something with this message of the gospel. It, it makes you do something. And will you repent? Will you turn to the Lord? Will you turn to his ways? Will you turn your heart to, towards God and away from your sin, away from your rebellion? prepared a table for us. Our Savior went and thoughtfully sent the disciples to prepare the upper room the night before Passover. He thought ahead. He prepared. I want you to know that the Lord has thought ahead for this moment. I'm so grateful for those of you in this room right now. Grateful for those of you who are watching online. But I understand this is that church is a, a custom. It's a good custom. It's a good habit. It's a good rhythm. It's a good thing to habitually go to church. But the Holy Spirit's at work right now. And he's shattering. He's shattering old habits. Here's what he's saying. He's shattering thoughtless habits. of just putting the bread in her mouth, dipping it in the cup, drinking it just because, just because it's now, it's, it's become thoughtless or it's, it's become habitual. Though there are some positives to that. And right now the spirit, the spirit is saying, take pause, take a moment for a second. Because I know this is that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, when Paul, our original text, when he was saying, hey, I, I shared my life with you and I want to come back to you, but Satan is preventing that. Guys, I want, I want you to know this is that, that the enemy is wanting to take away your effectiveness. He's wanting to take you out of community. He's wanted, wanting to take you out of giving your attention to that which is holy and that which matters and that which is significant. He wants us to get wrapped up in our hobbies, wrapped up in our decorating, wrapped up in different things that don't matter in eternity. 
Those things are not evil in themselves and of themselves, not at all. In fact, I would even argue the opposite. I would say there's blessing in those. There's, there's goodness in those. There's greatness in those when they're sanctified unto the Lord. And so there's, there's wonderful things about that. I'm not just here just to speak about, speak against everything as if our life are, is disconnected from earthly activity. I'm just saying that there's a, a priority that weekly worship gives us and the Lord is giving that to us this moment. I believe the Lord is, first of all, calling some of us to go mend a relationship because you have thrown a crown. You have tossed it aside. In the words of a friend, Mauricio, who told me the other day that he was talking about relationships that are just discarded, just thrown aside. And the Lord said, that was a crown. That was a treasure. Treasure that, that very thing that you have discarded. Treasure that. That's a joy for you. That's that crown of joy. And the crown of righteousness. Finish. Stay in the game. Don't quit on the Lord. Don't privately and secretly check out, but instead engage your heart. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that.